0: I'm Heather. And I'm Susan. Come along with us on an adventure in the book of Judges. Welcome Welcome to to the the club,
1: club, the Bible book club.
0: Last episode, we went through chapters six through eight, Gideon's fleeces and flaws. Gideon's Two fleece tests built his faith in God enough to believe that God would save the Israelites from the hands of those pesky old Midianites. Then the Lord had two tests of his own to see if Gideon trusted him. First, God eliminated the fearful men, two-third of Gideon's army, leaving only 10,000 men. And then God eliminated the men who drank on their knees, leaving only 300 men. After the tests, Gideon needed even more assurance. (laughs) He just wasn't going to be convinced yet. So God gave him a word from the Midianites themselves. It was a dream about a loaf of barley bread symbolizing Gideon, and it rolled into the camp and destroyed a tent symbolizing the Midianite leader. Well, Gideon destroyed the Midianites, but he also, in a fit of rage and revenge, tortured the men of Succoth and killed the men of Peniel. On top of that... Gideon asked for a tribute of gold from the people made an ephod and set up worship in his town. That idolatry is coming back to haunt them again. And it led straight back for Israel doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. Gideon was deeply flawed. Mm -hmm. Not the best judge. And he really did just want to be a king, which that power kind of went to his head. He did. So when we
1: open in scene one in this episode, we are going to talk about Gideon's end.
0: And we're going to get the setup for the sequel with Gideon's son. Chapter 8 continued. Chapter 8, verse 28. Thus, Midian was subdued before the Israelites and did not raise its head again. During Gideon's lifetime, the land had peace for 40 years. Jerub Baal, son of Joash, went back home to live. He had 70 sons of his own, for he had many wives. His concubine, who lived in Shechem, also bore him a son, whom he named Abimelech. Gideon, son of Joash, died at a good old age and was buried in the tomb of his father Joash in Oprah of the Abazarites. No sooner had Gideon died than the Israelites again prostituted themselves to the Baals. They set up Baal Berith as their God and did not remember the Lord their God, who had rescued them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. They also failed to show any loyalty to the family of Jerubbaal, Baal, that is, Gideon, in spite of all the good things he had done for them.
1: Gideon, in the end, brought Israel 40 years of peace as a judge. He had a King-like legacy with 70 sons by multiple wives and one son by a concubine who was named Abimelech. Gideon verbally rejects being made King in 823, but he acts like a King revealing his heart. He may know in his head what is right, but in his heart, he wants what is wrong. The sad reality is that the mighty work he accomplished, defeating the Midianites, was a superficial victory. The Israelites prostituted themselves again as soon as Gideon was gone.
0: And I think that you talked at one point about the contrast between Gideon and a king who we haven't met yet, David, who we're going to meet. And David was called a man after God's God's own heart. heart, right? And the difference here, though... And so certainly Gideon was blessed, right? He had all the sons and, and he multiplied and and there was peace. So there are some good things that came about it, but it's what was going on in his heart or what wasn't going on. He wanted the glory and he also didn't trust God. He had moments where he really tried to usurp um, the plan and, and take it into his own hands. And so we're going to see the contrast between him and a man who David is flawed. He... He doesn't always do the right thing, but he certainly always has the right heart posture. And so the question for you today is, what is your heart posture?
1: Exactly. Now, Baal Barith means the God of the covenant. So he talks about that. She read about that, which is an ironic twist because the Israelites have made Baal their God of the covenant while being unfaithful to their covenant with the one true God. Again, they get it upside down covenant faithfulness was and will continue to be the problem at the beginning of each cycle of judges. Now, Abimelech will completely reverse the peace his father had brought to Israel. Gideon himself named his son Abimelech, which means my father is king. Again, taking the glory. (laughs) A sure sign that while Gideon says he will not be king, he sees himself as one. Abimelech is an outsider. His mother is not Gideon's wife. She is a concubine. In the Old Testament, a concubine was a woman who was like a mistress, usually in a long-term relationship with a man. Concubines and the offspring of concubines typically had lower social and legal status than wives and their children. The practice of having concubines was relatively common in the ancient Near East, including among the Israelites. Abraham and King Solomon had concubines. And of Jacob's 12 sons, who became the 12 tribes of Israel, four of them. Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher were sons of concubines. Now, Abimelech lived in Shechem, while his 70 half-brothers lived in Orphra with his powerful, rich father Gideon. It is thought that his father may have failed to acknowledge Abimelech as much as he would have liked because Abimelech has more than your average sibling rivalry toward his brothers. He hates them. Next, in scene two, Abimelech's story of assassination and Shechem. The Israelites have given themselves over to this Baal Barith. And next, we head to Shechem, a sacred place of great covenantal significance to the Israelites. In Genesis 12, God appeared to Abraham at Shechem and promised to give the land of Canaan to his descendants. In Joshua 8, it was in Shechem that the Israelites first worshiped God after crossing the Jordan River into the promised land. And in Joshua 24, it was where the Israelites renewed the covenant and reaffirmed their commitment to serving and obeying God. Abimelech is about to incite the end to peace on the holy ground of Shechem. Chapter 9.
0: Abimelech, son of Jerob went to his mother's brothers in Shechem and said to them and to all his mother's clan, ask all the citizens of Shechem, which is better for you, to have all 70 of Jeroboam? Baal's sons rule over you, or just one man. Remember, I am your flesh and blood. When the brothers repeated all this to the citizens of Shechem, they were inclined to follow Abimelech for they said, he is related to us. They gave him 70 shekels of silver from the temple of Baal Berith, and Abimelech used it to hire reckless scoundrels who became his followers. He went to his father's home in Oprah and on one stone murdered his 70 brothers, the sons of Jerubbaal. Baal. But Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubbaal, Escaped by hiding. Then all the citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo gathered beside the great tree at the pillar in Shechem to crown Abimelech king. Abimelech wants power. He is named after a foreign king, we think,
1: because the first Abimelech is found in Genesis. He's fathered by a man who wanted to be king, and Abimelech makes a bloody bid to crown himself king.
0: You're right. He really did hate all those brothers. He He
1: really did. Abimelech wants power at any cost, even at the cost of a relationship with God. He did not care that the Israelites weren't supposed to have a king at this time. In fact, to fund his rebellion, he used silver from the Temple of a another god, Baal. Note, Abimelech missed more than his father's favor growing up. In his father's absence, he also missed an education about the Lord. Abimelech uses the power of his position as Gideon's son to gain a position of power with his mother's family. He is the only one in Shechem related to Gideon, therefore in that sole position to rule. So he says to them, wouldn't it be better if I am ruling over you because I also are your own flesh and blood. Then he uses his mother's family to gain power over his father's family, the one he just used to gain power over them, by asking them to fund his overthrow of his father's family. It is a sick use of power, pitting his relations against each other. Now, Gideon may have wanted to be king, but Abimelech killed to be king. So you see this kind of uh, trend of the son to one-up his father. The murder itself was in his father's home All 70 of those sons couldn't have lived in one home, so did he drag them there? Him and all those reckless scoundrels that with the money from the other god? Was this his way of getting back for all the happy times he missed being the outsider in that home? We can only guess. He killed them on one stone. What relevance does that have? Well, it could have been on the very rock on which Gideon built his altar to the Lord after his call from the angel, because stones were often used as altars. Or it could have been that Abimelech was sacrificing his brothers to Baal, and that's why he killed them on a stone. It is very likely that this slaughter killed two objectives for Abimelech with one stone. First, it was a personal vendetta against the family he was never accepted in. Second, it was a political vendetta of Baal against God to pay for what his father had done by removing Baal's altars. So if Gideon is kind of working for the church of Baal and using the church of Baal's funds, then he's kind of getting even with Gideon for tearing down Baal's altars. Abimelech has become the worst of his father Gideon. In rage of revenge, Gideon killed fellow Israelites. In a rage of revenge, Abimelech killed fellow Israelites and his brothers. Gideon wanted to have the riches of a king, wanted credit for his big battle, but stopped short out of some sense of faithfulness to God, we think. Abimelech wanted it and made it happen without any remorse. There were 70 brothers, but not all were killed. Abimelech, drunk with blood, must have lost count because the youngest, Jotham, escaped. Now, Jotham's name means the Lord is perfect. A sharp comparison to Abimelech's name, which means my father's king. And so begins the battle for the hearts and minds of the Israelites. They must choose between the visible power of a fallible earthly king, Abimelech, or the invisible power of the one perfect king, the God of Israel. Scene three, Jotham's story of conviction at Mount Gerizim. Is a fable, kind of like a parable. The place he chose to deliver his story on Mount Gerizim was strategic. In season five of Deuteronomy, in chapters 11 and 27, God instructed the Israelites to stand on opposing mountains, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, which faced each other, and recite the blessings and curses to each other across the valley. In Joshua chapter eight, after they crossed the Jordan, the people did all that God had commanded on those mountains. It was another sacred place and moment in their history, a fulfillment of all God had planned and promised. By choosing to stand on Mount Gerizim, Jotham was reminding them of their history, of their covenant with God, of how God had redeemed them and given them this land, and of the blessings if they obeyed or the curses if they didn't. Now, the way Jotham told the story was cleverly designed to reveal how ridiculous they were In choosing Abimelech to be their king.
0: Verse 7. When Jotham was told about this, he climbed up on the top of Mount Gerizim and shouted to them, Listen to me, citizens of Shechem, so that God may listen to you. One day the trees went out to anoint a king for themselves. They said to the olive tree, Be our king. But the olive tree answered, Should I give up my oil by which both gods and humans are honored to hold sway over the trees? Next, the trees said to the fig tree, come and be our king. But the fig tree replied, should I give up my fruit so good and sweet to hold sway over the trees? Then the trees said to the vine, come be our king. But the vine answered, should I give up my wine which cheers both gods and humans to hold sway over the trees? Finally, all the trees said to the thornbush, come and be our king. The thornbush said to the trees, if you really want to anoint me king over you, come and take refuge in my shade. But if not, then let fire come out of the thornbush and consume the cedars of Lebanon. Jotham tells the story of three types of vegetation
1: that refused to be king, an olive tree, fig tree, and a vine. All plants that provide sustenance and refuge. And one type of vegetation, the thorn bush, that accepts the invitation to be king. Now, the bush commands them to take refuge in its shade, which is a painfully bad choice because it is a thorn bush. Prickers. Yeah. Then this bossy bush tells them that if they don't, they will burn. Jotham's story paints a picture for them that they have missed. Abimelech's rule will be a painfully destructive choice.
0: Verse 16. Have you acted honorably and in good faith by making Abimelech king? Have you been fair to Jedubai'al and his family? Have you treated him as he deserves? Remember that my father fought for you and risked his life to rescue you from the hand of Midian. But today, you have revolted against my father's family. You have murdered his 70 sons on a single stone and have made Abimelech the son of his female slave, king over the citizens of Shechem because he is related to you. So have you acted honorably in good faith toward Jerubal and his family today? If you have, may Abimelech be your joy and may you be his too. But if you have not, let fire come out from Abimelech and consume you, the citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo, and let fire come out from you, the citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo, and consume Abimelech. Then Jotham fled, escaping to Beer, and he lived there because he was afraid of his brother Abimelech.
1: As if he was washing his hands of them, Jotham says, If you've been fair to Gideon, fine. Hope you find joy with Abimelech. Hope you get all those blessings our forefathers were promised when they recited them from Mount Gerizim, right here in Shechem.
0: Like, I'm no longer responsible exactly. for these crazy decisions you're making. If you
1: haven't been fair to Gideon, and you clearly haven't, then I hope you get burned by Abimelech, and I hope you burn him. The scorching words were eerily prophetic.
0: Scene four, the
1: searing story of justice.
0: Verse 22. After Abimelech had governed Israel three years, God stirred up animosity between Abimelech and the citizens of Shechem so that they acted treacherously against Abimelech. God did this in order that the crime against Jerubbaal's 70 sons, the shedding of their blood, might be avenged on their brother Abimelech and on the citizens of Shechem, who had helped him murder his brothers. In opposition to him, these citizens of Shechem set men on the hilltops to ambush and rob everyone who passed by. And this was reported to Abimelech.
1: It may be three years later, but God has not forgotten Gideon and his family, Abimelech and the citizens of Shechem, who helped him are to be avenged. God creatively punishes them both by stirring up animosity between them.
0: Verse 26. Now Gaal, son of Ebed, moved with his clan into Shechem, and its citizens put their confidence in him. After they had gone out into the fields and gathered the grapes and trodden them, they held a festival in the temple of their god. While they were eating and drinking, they cursed Abimelech. Then Gaal, son of Ebed, said, Who is Abimelech, and why should we Shechemites be subject to him? Isn't he Jerubal's son, and isn't Zebul his deputy?' Serve the family of Hamor, Shechem's father. Why should we serve Abimelech? If only this people were under my command, then I would get rid of him. I would say to Abimelech, call out your whole army. So the Shechemites were not happy with Abimelech, and they get a little rebellious
1: and start ambushing people who go in and out of the city just to tick. Abimelech off. From nowhere, a new dog named Gael arrives in town, and apparently he has clout because he came with his own pack. Sensing the Shechemites are frustrated with their current leader, Abimelech, Gael sees and seizes an opportunity for power. He persuades the Shechemites, just as Abimelech had, that he is the man to be king. Unfortunately for Gael, there was a mole in his midst, the governor, who was loyal to
0: Abimelech. Verse 30, when Zebul, the governor of the city, heard what Gael son of Ebed said, he was very angry. Under cover, he sent messengers to Abimelech saying, Gael son of Ebed and his clan have come to Shechem and are stirring up the city against you. Now then, during the night, you and your men should come and lie in wait in the fields. In the morning at sunrise, advance against the city. When Gael and his men, come out against you, seize the opportunity to attack them. So Abimelech and all his troops set out by night and took up concealed positions near Shechem in four companies. Now Gael, son of Ebed, had gone out and was standing at the entrance of the city gate just as Abimelech and his troops came out from their hiding place. When Gael saw them, he said to Zebul, look, people are coming down from the tops of the mountains. Zebul replied, you mistake the shadows of the mountains for men. But Gaal spoke up again, look, people are coming down from the central hill, and the company is coming down from the direction of the diviner's tree. Then Zebul said to him, where is your big talk now, you who said, who is Abimelech, that we should be subject to him? Aren't these the men you ridiculed? Go out and fight them. So Gaal let out the citizens of Shechem and fought Abimelech. Abimelech chased him all the way to the entrance of the gate, and many were killed as they fled. Then Abimelech stayed in Armagh and Zebul drove Gaal and his clan out of Shechem.
1: Zebul, the governor, warns Abimelech, who gathers forces and returns to retake Shechem. "'Gael sees them and tells the governor Zebul to attack. "'The governor insists it's just shadows. "'Then when asked again, reveals he's really on team Abimelech. "'Then Gael goes out of the city to fight Abimelech, "'but Gael and those with him are killed "'or chased to the city gate.'" Abimelech is not through because his temper is just like his father Gideon and so is his proclivity to violence. The next day he is still thirsting for blood. And he lies in wait for the people to come out to work the fields, and then he kills them. I don't know why they came out to work the fields the day after a war. I kind of would stay inside the, the city gates, but they were different.
0: Bad choice. Bad choice. <laughs> Verse 42 The next day, the people of Shechem went out to the fields, and this was reported to Abimelech. So he took his men, divided them into three companies, and set an ambush in the fields. When he saw the people coming out of the city, he rose to attack them. Abimelech and the companies with him rushed forward to a position at the entrance of the city gate then two companies attacked those in the fields and struck them down all that day Abemalik pressed his attack against the city until he had captured it and killed its people then he destroyed the city and scattered salt over it
1: so remember those blessings and curses that okay if you if you obey you get the land if you disobey you're going to lose the land well, Abimelech scatters salt on the ground, making the land barren for years. So that
0: would just kill everything and make yes. the, the soil he, I, not able to grow? Correct.
1: Right? Or, or the, not the make soil. Make like acidic or something. Yeah, exactly. I don't know where he got that much salt, but he did. And this is a holy city. So this is really... Sad for them, the city that was once a symbol of promise to the people of the promised land of God is now empty and desolate. Abimelech's rage for revenge still burns, and he turns next to the Tower of Shechem, which was probably a large area adjacent to the city that contained a stronghold, a safe place of refuge from attackers. This stronghold was dedicated to Elberith or Baalberith, the false god
0: we have already discussed Would he save them? Verse 46. On hearing this, the citizens in the tower of Shechem went into the stronghold of the temple of El Barith. Then Abimelech heard that they had assembled there. He and all his men went up Mount Zalmon. He took an axe and cut off some branches, which he lifted to his shoulders. He ordered the men with him, Quick, do what you've seen me do. So all the men cut branches and followed Abimelech. They piled them against the stronghold and set it on fire, with the people still inside. So all the people in the Tower of Shechem, about a thousand men and women... Also died. He's just so brutal. Like these are people. Yeah. Like you said, it's a it's a place of refuge in that tower, and they they're supposed to be safe there, right? He's
1: such, such a brutal man. If you'll notice the increase in mixing of gods, this is Shechem, and they have named a, a holy place for God where they you know renewed the covenant, where they're supposed to be you know saying to each other the, the blessings and curses, and yet they've named their tower. Baal Barith, after another god. So the culture of Israelites is really getting quite idolatrous. Confused, yeah. Totally. They're mixing gods. Now, burning the tower reminds us of what Gideon did at the Tower of Peniel. Killing people in a rage must have been an inherited trait in their family because Abimelech takes it to the next level. Scene six, the killing began and ends with a stone.
0: Verse 50, next Abimelech went to Thebes and besieged it and captured it. Inside the city, however, was a strong tower to which all the men and women All the people of the city had fled. They had locked themselves in and climbed up on the tower roof. Abimelech went to the tower and attacked it. But as he approached the entrance to the tower to set it on fire, a woman dropped an upper millstone on his head and cracked his skull. Hurriedly, he called to his armor bearer, draw your sword and kill me so that they can't say a woman killed him. So his servant ran him through and he died. When the Israelites saw that Abimelech was dead, they went home. Thus, God repaid the wicked. Wickedness that Abimelech had done to his father by murdering his 70 brothers. God also made the people of Shechem pay for their wickedness. The curse of Jotham, son of Jedobaal, came on them. We don't really
1: know why Abimelech
0: attacked the bees.
1: Maybe they had aligned themselves with the people of Shechem. Maybe since there was nothing left in Shechem to be king over, he was looking for new subjects to rule. I don't know. But what we do know is that he was stopped by a stone. A very smart woman who probably knew they would be burned alive if she didn't do something took action. This woman used a millstone, a tool to grind grain, a household tool to Just like Jael a few chapters ago in episode four. Unlike Sisera in that episode, who was killed by Jael, Abimelech has enough time to save himself the humiliation of being killed by a woman and begs his servant to kill him instead. However, she gets the credit. She gets the credit. I don't care. Yeah, but one more
0: (laughs) example of how his heart is in the wrong place. Exactly.
1: The death of Abimelech by a stone brings us full circle to where Abimelech began when he slayed his brothers, honestly. Stone. Jotham, Gideon's only remaining survivor, had been right in his prophetic parable on Mount Gerizim. This is what he said.
0: Verse 14, the trees said to the thornbush, come and be our king. The thornbush said to the trees, if you really want to anoint me king over you, come and take refuge in my shade. But if not, then let fire come out of the thornbush and consume the cedars of Lebanon. The people of Shechem took refuge under Abimelech, and in the end,
1: all were burned. All right, that's the end of the story of Gideon and Abimelech. Next, we move to two minor judges. Tola and Jer, and if you're confused about the judges, we will put in the show notes our chart of judges. Remember, there are six major, six minor. We've already covered Shamgar, one minor, and now we have two more, Tola and Jer, starting in chapter 10 with Tola.
0: After the time of Abimelech, a man of Ishkar, named Tola, son of Pua, the son of Dodo, rose to save Israel. He lived in Shamir, in the hill country of Ephraim. He led Israel 23 years. Then he died and was buried in Shamir.
1: We don't know much about these minor judges. Tola was from the tribe of Issachar, but living in Ephraim. It says that he rose to save Israel, which implies that he saved them from some oppressors, but we don't know who,
0: and he led Israel for 23 years. And next we have Jer, verse 3. He was followed by Jer of Gilead, who led Israel of Gilead. He was followed Verse 3, he was followed by Jer of Gilead, who led Israel 22 years. He had 30 sons who rode 30 donkeys. They controlled 30 towns in Gilead, which to this day are called Havuth, Jer. When Jer died, he was buried in Chemon. Jer is from Gilead,
1: which is east of the Jordan River. There are three Transjordan tribes that he could have been from, Gad, Reuben, or the half-tribe of Manasseh. He was wealthy, we know, because he had 30 sons, donkeys, and towns, and he led for 22 years. In the next episode, we will meet another judge from Gilead, where Israel slides deeper into idolatry, and Jephthah, the judge, makes a tragic slip of the tongue.
0: What's a club without friends?